You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my theater kid friends to my favorite classic rock albums. And when we look at a concert album or a rock opera, they introduce me to their favorite musicals. Today we're talking about the band, music from Big Pink. With me I have Paul. Hello. And Romy. Hey. Music from Big Pink is the debut studio album by the band. It was released on July 1st, 1968 on Capitol Records. Produced by John Simon, the genres are folk rock and roots rock. And from All Music Review, William Ruben. None of the band's previous work gave much of a clue about how they would sound when they released their first album in July of 1968. As it was, music from Big Pink came out as a surprise. At first blush, the group seemed to affect the sound of a loose jam session, alternating emphasis on different instruments, while the lead and harmony vocals passed back and forth as if the singers were making up their blend on the spot. In retrospect, especially as the lyrics sank in, the arrangement seemed far more considered and crafted to support a group of songs that took family, faith, and rural life as their subjects and proceeded to imbue their values with uncertainty. Some songs took on the theme of declining institutions less clearly than others, but the points were made musically as much as lyrically. Tenor Richard Manuel's haunting, lonely voice gave the album much of its frightening aspect, while Rick Danko's and Levon Helm's rough-hewn styles reinforced the song's rustic fervor. The dominant instrument was Garth Hudson's often icy and majestic organ while Robbie Robertson's unusual guitar work further destabilized the sound. The result was an album that reflected the turmoil of the late 60s in a way that emphasized the tragedy inherent in the conflicts. Music from Big Pang came off as a shockingly divergent musical statement only a year after the of Sgt. Pepper, and initially attracted attention because of the three songs that Bob Dylan had either written or co-written. You see, the band was originally Dylan's backing band. However, as soon as The Wait became a minor singles chart entry, the album and the group made their own impact influencing a movement towards root styles and country elements in rock. Over time, music from Big Pink came to be regarded as a watershed work in the history of rock, one that introduced new tones and approaches to the constantly evolving genre. Alright, what did you two think of music from Big Pink by the band? The band that also made the album The Band by The Band. <laughs> I like it. Um, but um, we were talking about Toy Story before recording, and I found out something interesting. In the French-Canadian dub of Lightyear, Buzz is voiced by Xavier Dolan, who's like this very famous like LGBTQ filmmaker um, from like... He's been doing some stuff. Um, some of his movies are include Mommy and... Oh. Uh, only the end of the world and uh what are the chances that he's listened to this album um i don't know answer gonna, is no i'm gonna give it a <laughs> i'd give it a 20 percent chance i don't know maybe yeah. he heard it on the radio maybe he heard it like an american was listening to it on the 
Oh, he also Americans he's aren't also just. I don't think Americans are passively just listening to the band. Uh, oh, he's also played. Um, he's also voiced uh, the dub voice for Jacob in Twilight. Um, <laughs> he's played Paul Timothy Chalamet's character in Dune. He was oh. Fear in Inside Out. Harry Osborn in The Amazing Spider-Man Two. Um, so clearly he's got Ron a paycheck. And- to, he, he's got a paycheck to earn. Ah. Uh, I, I have never really knew where I stick with the band because it has all the everything I should like and yet it just I don't like it when it's presented to me. I think uh, my my biggest problems with the band, the band who made the band, the album, not the band, can be found in the first uh, song, Tears of Rage. Like right away, the song is very lagubrious, lackadaisical, other adjectives. The instruments sound both extremely tight with each other and extremely loose with each other at the same time. And a band is advertised as tight, but they sound loose, then that means they've got to sound, they have to be really tight. Because, like, it's, it's part of their joke. They're, they're playing loose to, to trap you in, so you find out they're actually really tight players. And that's, a, that's something I like. That's something that really interests me. And I feel, and I, I, really, I actually kind of do like this uh, rustic backwoods basement feel that all these songs have. It has that a nice vibe. It, it makes me want to like migrate to the woods, like just the sticks and just live life out there. And like, if the woods had an electric gospel yeah. organ, yes. Hmm. The problem is like the vocals the soon as the the freaking singing comes in it's it's hammy it's unconvincing like they sound like they're trying to put on some weird west virginian affectation it just and it loses me every time like almost every time they start singing like everything in the song tears of rage is everything i like and dislike about the band and uh i can't believe this but the person i agree with the most on this subject is robert christgau who in his uh, in in one of his columns said that um, I knew I knew that even though this is theoretically everything rock and roll should be right down to that human roughness around the edges I was in fact bored by the record and found most of it lugubrious this opinion was at once so subjective and so unusual that I intended to share it only with friends I kept trying to dig the record but I always found myself liking the songs better when they were performed elsewhere. I Shall Be Released is one of Dylan's best songs, but I would rather hear Bobby Darren sing it than Richard Manuel, and there are even versions of The Weight that I prefer to the bands, which is admittedly a joy. Finally, I had decided I'd been chicken long enough. Almost gleefully, I had planned a column titled The Final Aspistacy to castigate their second album. He castigate their what? second album. What? Why, why did you put on a Benoit Blanc uh, at the end of it? <laughs> Robert Criscount makes me do that. I mean, to me, <laughs> yeah. it sounded more like. Can we get? A, a, can we get like Daniel? A mother and <laughs> yeah, can we del- Can we get Daniel Craig to read Robert Criscount reviews as Benoit Blanc? I, I, <laughs> I would love that. Um. Anyway, uh, Robert did not, in fact, not castigate the band by the band, the band. He, in fact, loved it <laughs> and gave it an A plus and said, like, I think he f- said it was better than Abbey Road, which is like, you know, shit. What? A shit belief. What? <laughs> and like, I don't even like that album, honestly. It's like, I gave it a fine review when we first did it as our second episode, but like, looking back, like, 
No, I don't like that album at all. I, I, I actually prefer music from Big Pink to the self-titled. And that's a belief <laughs> that not a lot of people hold. So I'm in, like, the minority. Yeah. Uh, well, this is the only album I've ever listened to from the band. Well, maybe... My first time listening to the band, actually. Yeah. Well, you should listen to the sure. subtitled and g- give me your uh, unbiased thoughts. Okay. Anyway, um, I will. Later on, uh, Robert Christgau said about music for Big Pink that he always admired that album from a distance, which basically means he he thinks it's a fine album. He just rather not listen to it again because there's just there's nothing in it for him. There is a few things in this album for me that I'm. I'm sorry that Robert can't see, but he's not me, so why should I feel sympathy? Hmm. Yeah. Um, on the subject of the weight, um, the Muppets and Jimmy Fallon actually sang it. Um, uh, it was his last late night with Jimmy Fallon before, uh, he switched over to the Tonight Show, <laughs> trying to find really? it, um, like, oh, it, oh yeah, it's on Daily Motion, eh. Uh, did Kermit did Kermit switch from the way to Rainbow Connection and Jimmy Fallon just couldn't stop laughing his butt off? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> because that's something that both of them would definitely do. Yeah, The Wait is a classic song. Probably a bit too overplayed, but you know what? Um, it's a, it's a fine enough song. It's a it's actually kind of a funny song, as many members of the band the band said. Like, it's about a guy just, he's stopping in this weird town, everyone's just freaking crazy, and he just, he gets out of there as soon as possible. Ah, that's a, that's kind of a, that's a kind of a fitting song to end off in your time on a talk show, um, with. Yep, yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to so many kooky special guests, I can't wait to leave this talk show and start another talk show where I can talk to more kooky guests. You're never gonna, it, he's never gonna let go of that weight, is he? Uh, Scott, on, on the subject of Jimmy Fallon, I still have a, a classroom instruments shirt um, uh, from w- the last time I was in Universal Orlando. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't even watch The Tonight Show. I just really liked the concept of classroom instruments. Yeah, nice. Um, did anyone have a favorite song on here that wasn't The Weight? Oh, I did, but sorry. Before I go into that, I want to put my opinion on the weight. I I don't know how popular the song is, but judging by the way you guys have talked about it, I'm just gonna assume that I think it's overrated, just because no. I I think it's it's a good song. It's definitely sounds like it'd be a classic in some way, but I I didn't get too into it. No, that's completely like fair. Tom- like, I I. I won't hear that song on classic rock radio all the time, and that might be just because they know it's it's not like up there with the others. Like it's a B tier classic rock song, if I'm being honest. I'm personally more a fan of "Carry That Weight" by the Beatles than I am of the Weight. Yeah, they're, oh, yeah. yeah. They're they're telling you to carry that weight when you when they say, "Boy, you got to carry that weight a long time." You believe them. The band don't even yeah. mention weight in the weight. It's all about loads. Then why not the just call it the load? Canadian sons of bitches.
come. Mm. Wasn't really a fan of that one. I thought that one was like a jam. I could really get into that one. I, that was the one I listened to the most. Hmm. The, the one album. I, was, the I listened to the most was the next one, In a Station. I think it might just be because of that, the weird thing the organ's doing. Like, it it sounds like a, it's at the same time, it also has like a bit of a classical melody to it. Like, that was something I did not expect from a band like The Band. And uh, hmm. usually when there's a track on an album that I don't expect, I tend to gravitate towards that one more. Like... To Kingdom Come is a bop, I guess, but like it's it's something I'd expect from a band like the band. But like in a station, I'd, I'd not expect like that uh, weird synth organ. It is it's not a synth. Synths wouldn't be pure for another couple of years, but it's processed in a way that makes it sound like a synth. Yeah, that's definitely. I think that song really did grow on me after a few listens. Like I thought it was like a seven out of ten the first time I listened to it, but like the more I listened to it, I'm like, oh, this is like. A pretty good song, and um, I think it's more like an 8.5 out of 10 in terms of song. 8.5, let's go. Um, but my favorite part is the humming. I really like the humming after the second chorus and the end of the song, the humming. I, I can't bring up the humming for the life of me, so I'll have to listen to it again when we're done with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really hard to think about a song when another song is... Yeah, we. Uh, How about least favorite songs? Yeah. Least favorite songs are always fun to talk about. I'll go first. Uh, we can talk. I I just feel nothing for like uh, it has Levon Helm as like one of the lead singers, and that's an indictment. I just do not like Levon Helm's voice. He just he sounds like he's being uh, nurpled and he's southern at the same time. Yes, he he's from Arkansas, but like I don't know. I just never liked his voice. <laughs> Does anyone else not have a fav- least favorite song? Uh, I shall be released. I thought you loved that song. Sorry, I sorry, I I I couldn't really hear you. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, mind if I keep talking about Levon Helm? Sure. We can talk. We can talk about Levon Helm. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Levon Helm, he sings the the band's most famous hits, but they did not consider him to be the front man. That'd be Richard Manuel, who does most of the singing on here. I think he does a good job. He's He's probably my second favorite vocalist. I think Rick Dinko's voice, uh, it annoys me the least out of everyone. He, he sings on Caledonia Mission and the fourth verse on The Weight, the one where he's talking about Crazy Chester pulling a knife on me or something. But like, uh, yeah, LeVon Helms just has done nothing for me. It's nothing about the fact that he's a Southern guy. But that definitely helps, because he definitely sang my least favorite song by the band, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. I just, I have n- no respect for that song at all. Yeah. I went, even went on a tirade on our first episode on the band about how much that song sucks. Because, And I'm, I'm willing to bet that LeVon Helm only did it because he was, a, he was another one of those lost cause truthers. He wanted to sing it because he thought the, the lyrics were true. Obviously, Levon did not write the lyrics, Robbie Robertson did, and he, he wrote them from a sympathetic perspective of a southern guy on a farm. And like, I don't want to feel sympathetic for a guy who thinks we should live in a world where slaves exist. I think that was a, hor- a horribly written song. Uh, I will definitely be cancelled by the woke right for this, but I, I stand. I rest my case. 
I, I'm like, I'm dying on this hill. I think the Ninth Age Robo Dixie Down is a garbage song. It's, it is written like garbage. It's sang like garbage. It's even played like garbage. I hate that song with a fiery passion of a thousand suns. Uh, I feel ya. Yeah. Um, I trust you on that, because I don't know that song. So yeah. does that mean We Can Talk About It Now is a better song about slavery than... Is it about slavery? The, I don't know. It's it's kind of... Not really. It's. I think that the band members said that it was just an excuse to use a whole bunch of puns in the song. That's but a lazy some excuse. People like to, but some people like to think of it as a song about slavery since there is one line specifically mentioning slavery well, well two lines technically it's like i'd rather burn up in canada than freeze in the south yeah i i'm not i'm not gonna listen to that song again anyway so hmm. levon helm just sounds like an ignorant bastard and that's only because i know absolutely nothing about him maybe he's one of those liberal members of the band ever maybe he thinks that trans people don't exist i'll never know he's dead now um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I'm sorry I keep going back to the band self-titled, but I just realized how much I don't like that album. Like, mm. I can, I can look at all the tracks. I think, like, Cross the Great Divide's cool. Rag Mama Rag's good. When You Awake is nice. Up on Cripple Creek, uh, Whispering Pines is beautiful. Uh, fucking, like, what? Jawbone? Unfaithful Servant? It's like, that's like half the album. And, like, everything else I just never want to listen to again. You hear? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, this album, there are actually cuts on this album that I'm like, oh, hey, that's that's interesting. They did something. I appreciate it when bands do something, especially when it's the band, a band whom I think has done almost nothing inventive in their career. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I did like learning their uh, origin story. They were originally called uh, The Hawks, and that's a pretty cool band name. I don't know why they stuck with that for, for, for some reason, but they... Uh, they backed a guy named Ronnie Hawk, which is a bit, uh, he really likes his name, doesn't he? Mm. Eventually, they became Bob Dylan's backing band on tour, and Bob Dylan had his, uh, big motorcycle accident or something, and so they disbanded, and then they, uh, then they were like, hey, we should, we should make a record, like, without Bob Dylan or Ronnie Hawk or any of these people, and so they, they decided to make a record. And they had to call up, like, LeVon Hellback because he was, like, working on an oil rig in Louisiana. Huh. He lost interest in the band that quickly. I don't think he even wanted to be in the band unless they talked about uh, the South or something, because he's a proud American. But yeah, like, uh, the band, I, I can't specify this enough. I don't hate the band. I don't hate this record. I just, there are so many things about these guys that I should like, and yet there's some, I just can't like them. There's just always something that's going to get in the way of me fully embracing liking these guys. I mean, this picture. It's a, it's a really cool picture. These five guys, literally, it literally looks like it was taken in, like, the Appalachian Mountains in the turn of the 19th century. It's it's awesome. But, like, yeah. that, and that's, like, that's a vibe right there. And I appreciate that rustic rootsy vibe. But, like, I can't commit to it because the way they projected this songs in terms of the production in the in the sometimes the lyrics and the singing i just i just can't get there man mm. um i can understand your point of view on the voices like but like sometimes i like their voices 
and sometimes I don't. It's weird. Like, I don't really care for their vocals in Tears of Rage as much, although I think that song is a vibe. It's like a 9 out of 10 song. Mm-hmm. I I could never really care for the vocals that much. Same with Long Black Veil. That song, I, I don't really care for their vocals in that one. Yeah, I do Although, like the bouncy electric great. piano. That, that's something different. I, mm. I don't expect them to do that bouncy electric piano. So when they did it, I was very, I, I left very surprised. Including this like organ intro to uh, Chest Fever that we're listening to right now. That's something, that's something neat, something different. It makes me think of a baseball game. It does, mm. yeah. This is absolutely like baseball rock. I just think uh, it gets kind of monotonous throughout. Yeah. I, I also do want to point out that I've never been a big fan of roots rock genre in general. And I mean, not only is it some of my least lesser favorite bands, like uh, The Band and Dire Straits. Dire Straits is considered roots rock. And I just always fear stuff to be mid-monotonous and just overall disinteresting. And then there's like Creedence Clearwater Revival. That's roots rock. And like their best stuff is the singles. Like I can't like listen to a full CCR album and be like, yeah, this this is awesome, top to finish. Like there's gotta be at least like one part that I'm like, no, that's not cutting it for. But another thing is, I know I'm gonna sound like a freaking crazy person for this, but I refuse to believe that Roots Rock even exists. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Well, I'm looking at the Rate Your Music uh, description for Roots Rock right now. It consciously and predominantly incorporates elements of its predecessors and original roots, such as country, blues, rhythm, blues, rock and roll, and American folk music, but also many other American traditions. I mean, plenty of other rock genres do that. Folk rock does it sometimes, country rock does it sometimes, and that's why The Band's The Band is considered all three. But there's, like, so many other genres I'm thinking of when I think of Roots Rock. Like... Heartland Rock. I consider Heartland Rock to be Roots Rock, sort of, because it borrows elements from Roots Rock, folk rock, and uh, rock and roll, 50s and 60s rock and roll, often characterized by conscious communal lyrical concerns and working class appeals. So, Heartland Rock also takes American traditions and consciously and predominantly puts them in the forefront of their music, and yet it's not Roots Rock, because though it takes from roots it's not roots rock and i just feel like that doesn't make any sense like there's also like southern rock and even freaking tropical rock i feel like they should be considered roots rock because they're taking like yeah, american traditions and like rock and roll and like re- and putting them into this big smorgasbord of american rock like i don't know maybe it's maybe i am not a musicologist so i would not know shit about this but i just feel like something's missing I mean, it's right there in the name, Heartland Rock. It's got, it's got some more heart in it to it. Oh yeah, because Roots Rock doesn't have any heart to it at all. Uh, Americana. Yeah, I they do consider this to be like the first Americana album, but I don't, I don't know. I think the band, the band might be the first Americana album. I don't like that album. I can respect where it's coming from in the rise of Americana. So I don't know. If the definition of Roots Rock is combining american traditions into uh, established music then I, tropical is not no offense to america but i don't really think of america as a tropical destination yeah i know i was i was reaching there i, really think of, I like, was i was only reaching Bahamas. to see your guys's reaction yeah <laughs> no way fucking buffett is roots rock yeah yeah no that makes yeah yeah you're right 
But I would definitely consider like someone like Springsteen or Tom Wayne or Neil Young to be a bit of a roots rocker. Would Tom Petty count as a roots rock? Oh yeah, that definitely. I think that I think that there is some Tom Petty sounding sound to this album. I can I can hear that. I, like, I would much rather hear Tom Petty singing this. I would much rather hear Tom Petty singing this album than uh, the three boys of the band. Yeah. I can almost I can almost hear Tom Petty singing to Kingdom Come. Hmm. It, it almost sounds like it has his inflections. I can almost hear like Pete Townshend, the guy from the Who. Hmm. But then again, oh, that's just Coldplay. Me. Um, Coldplay has a song called "Till Kingdom Come," and uh, fun fact, it was written for Johnny Cash to sing with them, but then he died, so they made it, wrote it, recorded them it themselves. I just found it so super weird when you just suddenly brought Coldplay into the conversation. It's like, are you are you suggesting that Coldplay is roots rock? <laughs> Sorry, I was think- uh, I was thinking of I was thinking of the Imagine Dragons song. Is Imagine Dragons that. also roots rock? No! <laughs> no! 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 <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, not. I was I was thinking of the Imagine Dragons meme song. Yeah. not like I shall be released at first but then I found out what happened to the lead singer Richard Manuel and I have a newfound respect for it. Do you elaborate? Well he has suffered substance abuse so much in his uh, short life and in uh, 1986 like hours after a show in Florida he uh, hung himself which is pretty uh, heavy especially since like yeah. it was either like the Von Helm or Garth Hudson that said that uh, he was just finished talking with uh, Richard just uh, hours before he killed himself. They were just talking about stuff like movies and just the news and all that stuff and I think that part just stings the most for me. Like if you're talking with one of your best buddies and you're talking about like a bunch of topics and none of them just stimulate you anymore then like life has really just lost all its luster then and that just that's that's pretty sad for me. Yeah. Like, I don't, I just want to say again, I don't hate the band. I don't want to listen to their music every day, but I don't hate them. As a matter of fact, I hold a bunch of respect for them for going for this long and just being an overall tight group. They're they're really tight. Mm. Also, uh, Romy, do you think, uh, look at the picture of the band in the Appalachian Wilderness and tell me, do you think that Garth Hudson, the guy on the... The right, not the far right, but the right, kind of looks like John C. Riley. Uh, he looks like um, <laughs> he kind of looks. He reminds me of his character in Perfect Storm. Yeah. <laughs> or like he reminds huh. me of some other guy. Um, he, he reminds me of John C. Riley with the beard. <laughs> um. <laughs> I thought John C. Riley had a beard. Am I wrong? No, he he does in the Perfect Storm, and like you're probably thinking of Skull Island. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. One more thing before we go around the room. Uh, 
Roger Waters has said this, and Sgt. Pepper's are his two favorite albums of all time. Oh, that's huh. some high praise right there. Yeah, yeah but Waters had, gets a lots of things wrong. On he is a he is a bit of an anti-Semite. So what does he know about art? Uh, all right, uh, Paul, you seem the most enthusiastic Wait, about this album. I, for- I do have I do have some more. Oh, I do have some more opinions. I love opinions. Keep them coming. I think this wheels on fire is also overrated. I didn't huh. care for it as much. I, I feel about the same way about it as the weight. Hmm. I've never heard First this wheels on fire on the radio before, so I would have no opinion on whether or not it's overrated, underrated, or even just rated. It has, I, a, it has a cool intro though. Like it goes boo doo 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 doo. I do. I do like the guitar. Yeah. I think that's extent of my praise my second favorite song is probably probably the most divisive opinion in this entire thing my second favorite song is lonesome Susie. i did not hate that one actually that was a nice little love song i think that's probably one of the one of the best vocal songs on the on the entire album like that's my favorite vocal performance on the entire in the entire album it is a good one uh, let me see who sings that one. Uh, I think it's Danko. I, I could be wrong, though. Uh, yeah, it is uh, it is not the Danko. It is, in fact, Richard. Well, thank you, Richard. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I didn't care for the slowness, the slow lyrical progression of Tears of Rage, but Lonesome Susie, that, that got me. I was hooked by that. I'm a bit upset that it's the least uh, listened to song. On this album on Spotify because it's actually pretty beautiful. Yeah, you can fix it. It's not, it's not too late. Yeah, I'll just I'll just put uh go to sleep tonight and put Lonesome Susie on repeat while I sleep. That'll show him. <laughs> it goes viral for no reason. Yes, <laughs> this is how we win. Please, uh, it'll be in the same level as Sweet Little Bumblebee. <laughs> All right, Paul. Uh, out of ten, where would you give this? All right. Well, this song grew on me I, like the first time gave my notes on the first time i heard it and i gave it a 7.5 out of 10 the first time i heard it but now that i've listened to it more i think a few of the songs have gotten better i think in a train station has gotten better i think that weight has gotten a bit better i think that Just fever has gotten better I, I give it an 8.5 out of 10 now hmm I'm going to piggyback off that. I'm going to say like an 8. Not my favorite. I just love I Shall Be Released and This Wheels on Fire and The Weight. And uh, like Long Black Veil. I also love um, the original version by Lefty Frizzell. So I'm going to give this album an 8. Did you know that Johnny Cash also does a cover of Long Black Veil on uh, Folsom Prison? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, uh, Sarah Watkins from, uh, Watkins Family Hour, she actually sang that song, uh, with some band when she was five. Hmm. Five? Yeah. Uh, kind of assumes that Long Black Veil would sound better if it was sung by somebody else. That's, yeah. That's one of the songs I think that would sound better by somebody else. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that, uh, Paul, I am correct in assuming that, uh, you would not recommend this to a theater kid? I would half recommend this to a theater kid Does, if that kind of make like half the songs sound like i could recommend this to a theater kid and the other half no yeah i can i can see that i can see that for that um 
I think I'm going to give, I'm going to rescind my 8 out of 10 for The Band, The Band, which I, I gave on our second episode, The Band, The Band, and uh, take it down to a 5. I like half that album, and even then, I would never listen to it again. I would never recommend that to a theater kid. I just do not like that album at all. But music from Big Pink was a surprise. Especially since, uh, after listening to the band self-titled, it was not something I would expect, uh, from this band. I've, I've, I wonder what my life would have been like if I listened to music from Big Pink first before I listened to the band self-titled. But I guess we can only dream. Uh, The Weight in a Station, uh, I Shall Be Released, Wheels on Fire. Those are my standouts. Um, Not really anything else here for me. It's better than Hotel California, if that's worth anything. That's how I I rate mid-albums, if they're better or worse than Hotel California. And this one passes the test. So, good job, boys, you did it. You made an album that people like. And I I would not recommend... I would not recommend this to a theater kid, however. This is just not their jam. If I uh, if I was going to recommend theater kids in an album of people recording albums in the basement in the dead of night, kept alive only by coffee, I would not recommend them this. I would recommend them Exile on Main Street. Except it's not coffee, it's drugs. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else I was going to say, but it can't, I can't get it off the tip of my tongue. Caledonia Mission is about a cult. It it, it is. <laughs> it's a it's a nice little shuffly song, and it's about the occult. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I would I could do a cover band. I feel like I could start a band, and every all, everything we do is only just a cover of the band songs, either from this album or the band or any of their other albums. And I feel like I could do them a whole lot more better because I think I'm a better singer than these guys. Would you guys want? <laughs> would you guys want to be in that band? Uh, maybe. The band, but it's good. Yeah. Well, well uh, spin the wheel. Yeah. And if remember, we've been like lots of down the rock opera wave to do a theater album for episode one, episode one hundred. <laughs> oh my god. And if we uh, and if we land on a concert album or a rock opera, we have to do a cast recording for episode one hundred and eighteen. Yay. Yeah. All right. Um. You guys are into early German electronic synth pop, right? Craftwork? We're doing craftwork? We're doing craftwork. Ah! Europe Express, to be specific. Woo! All right, thank you. Thank you, and have a good night. They say everything could be replaced. They say...